As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. It is a college football playoff rankings reaction edition and I bring in Ari Wasserman, my co-host, because we've just seen the the ranking show, which, by the way, does not need to last an hour. We don't need to hear how surprised they are that the, the committee members are going to actually watch the games because they always actually watch the games. Uh, I don't know if why that was such a, a talking point this time, but I guess you have to talk about something when everything's kind of weird. But Ari, if you listen to us on Sunday morning... Did we not tell you that BYU was going to get punished for its schedule? We did. <laughs> I, mean, I yeah, I, I this didn't go exactly the way that I thought it would, but I think we basically nailed the top six, and there's a lot to mm-hmm. sift through uh, in between six and twenty. I think, but um, yeah, you know, I, I the I'm I'm surprised at how much BYU was punished. I don't know about you. I thought maybe they'd be eleven, ten. Somewhere in that I range, they'd be lower than fourteen. You did. I thought they'd be sixteen or seventeen. Yeah, yeah. I just the, historically, the committee loves good wins, hates bad schedules, and it's not BYU's fault that the schedule is what it is. They they had to do the best they could to, to cobble something together, but it they still haven't played anybody good, and yeah. they're going to get punished for that. Yeah. Now the good news is they can add two games if they want, and I really hope they do. Well, I mean, I know that this seems to be a, a pipe dream that's out there, but don't Cincinnati and BYU also have the same open week? Um, you know, at the very least, I, I I think it's an interesting idea. I would love to watch that game. I think everybody would want to watch that game, Andy. But I don't know if beating okay. another group of five power is the quality win that they would need. I think they need to beat a power five team to legitimize themselves. Do you think beating? I don't know. it Since he's their, their number seven ranked team, I think that would mean there's only six teams that the committee respects more. Yeah. So unless you can get one of those six, Cincy's good. Let's yeah. do that. And and the thing is, it would also bolster Cincy's case if they can beat BYU. So I, I think that would be great. And and so December fifth is the is the week we're talking about, where I believe they would they would both be able to do it. So that would be uh that would be something. I, I would really like that. So yeah. I, I, I hope I hope that can happen. And I really hope that BYU can tag on a Pac-12 team at some point. They, so they got clowned because 
they sent that tweet out that said any team, anytime, anywhere. And then Washington's like, hey, you want to talk about a game? They're like, yeah, let's let's see where we're ranked. But the fact of the matter is, and this is the part, BYU, you tried to get across to people that nobody listened to, but now that the news has come down, we know this to be true. Washington probably wasn't going to be available because if Washington was available because the Apple Cup was canceled. But if Utah, Arizona State got canceled, Utah was going to need an opponent. And the Pac-12 was probably going to match up Utah and Washington. I don't think that, I don't buy, I mean, I understand the the idea of not wanting to be a backup plan and not uh, risking the idea that you might heck get your game that you just scheduled pulled out from underneath you. But when you're in BYU's position, I don't think you're really in a position to, to be worrying about that stuff. I think you set, you, you schedule the game, you do the every, everything that you can in your power to prove that it is any team, any place, anywhere. Um, and you try to play that game as best as you can, because what do you have to lose by the worst case scenario and that happening? And that's like what expending energy for three days or, or practicing well, exactly. harder. It, I mean, that, what's, what do you lose by scheduling the game? Schedule the game, right? If you don't want to be number 14 play anyway. Yeah. So no, even if right. you don't play the game, what did you, the, the the idea that you said no, regardless of whether or not it made rational sense from a planning standpoint, isn't the message you want to send when you're in their position. Um, and, you know, the, the thing that I'm kind of interested in discussing with you, Andy, is coming into the year, and I, I talked to Gene Smith about this, who somebody used to be on this committee, and the committee members in general had alluded to the fact that eye test was going to play a, a factor in this. Huge and factor. the thing that I don't understand is you have two lost teams in front of them that have failed the eye test. Um, and I think that the eye test for BYU, despite the fact that they haven't really played an opponent yet, should at least matter some. And I don't know if the the schedule that Cincinnati has played um, is seven spots better than BYU's. Yes, they have a, a better win or two, but the fact of the matter is Cincinnati's schedule doesn't really blow me away either. I mean, I guess beating UCF matters uh, in brand name, and they did go on the road and beat SMU like heavily, and I know that maybe that's the, the win there. But I don't know if it's and, seven and the spots Memphis better. One, yeah, I mean, those, is those it are seven the ones spots that better? No, but their their overall strength of schedule is better too. But you're right on BYU schedule schedule Washington, and if it gets pulled out from under you 36 hours later, which it would have, then you're then you're the aggrieved party. Everybody feels sorry for you at that point. right, and you stand Instead by of the everybody headband. laughing at you. It's the headband. Yeah. You know, there's that, and like the thing about it too is, and we've said it many times on this podcast, Andy, when you have a legitimate first round draft pick quarterback, I have more faith in you as a team, regardless of the total talent level. So the fact that BYU is nine and oh is one part of the equation. And the fact that they pummel everybody is another part of the equation. But the reason why I think I, if I were on the committee, I would rank them higher than 14 um, is because they have a legitimate NFL quarterback potentially right. on their roster. Right. So that, that changes everything. It, for me. And, and, if, and if we're comparing them with Cincinnati, Desmond Ritter is a really good college quarterback. Ritter is amazing. But I almost put him fir- on. Not, maybe not a first round NFL quarterback, though. But I almost put Ritter on my Heisman straw poll for the Heisman, uh, for the athletic. This oh, week. He's, he's absolutely fantastic. I mean, he, he makes such good choices on the read option and he's tough. He'll get you, he'll get you tough yardage and he's smart with the ball. So I'm, I'm with you on that. But. Yeah, the BYU thing, they've got to get a game. And I, I hope Cincinnati doesn't say, well, we're in a good spot, so we don't want to risk that by playing BYU. You still have to do more, Cincy, and have weird stuff happen. Like, you need Texas A&M to lose to LSU or to Auburn to get them out of there. You need, I think you need Alabama to beat Florida. 
Uh, Florida beating Alabama doesn't help you because that, that puts a one-loss Alabama there, and I'm not sure you want that. And, I, you know, it would help, I guess, if, if Northwestern lost a game and then beat Ohio State. I don't think that's going to happen. But you also, you'd love to see, if you're, if you're Cincinnati, you want Notre Dame to beat Clemson when they play again. I mean, there, there's a path. But I do think you need to do more. So get on the phone to Provo. I uh, I love pl- play that game wherever you want to play it. You know what I love? I love the fact that you're talking through this, Andy. But you said it yourself on the pod uh, over the weekend, and you nailed it. And it was how high of a ceiling do you think a group of five can get in these rankings? And we, I think, we agreed that it was seven. Seven was the highest that it could go. And Cincinnati is the highest ranked group of five team in the history of the college football playoff. But I think in this really super weird season. If they did go beat BYU, there's a good chance that let's say AM lost to Auburn or LSU, they're out. That's since one more spot Cincinnati moves up. Florida loses to Alabama. They're out. Two losses. Cincinnati moves up. Then you're you're right there on the doorstep. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess you are. You're right there on the doorstep, and I don't think that being on the doorstep is the conversation. The conversation is but, okay. do you think even well, in the I'll take that one the, further. Notre Dame beats Clemson. Again, they're in. I know, but you're also not taking into account the teams behind them that haven't had a like. I guess if complete chaos happened, who, who are you going to put I, in? I, who I are you going to put in this behind them? Well, this is going to revert to another part of the discussion, but I think it's pretty hilarious that Oregon um, is number fifteen, and I think USC uh, is what? What is USC eighteen? There's a real potential yeah, they, here that the, one of those teams can come out of the Pac-12 as an unbeaten champion, and those teams haven't been adequately ranked based on the fact that they haven't played enough. And you, you, you can you know come on whatever side of the fence you want on a uh, number of games versus losses, but I think it is kind of strange that the committee has uh, valued playing games more than penalizing the teams who have lost so to me like looking at Oregon as a 3-0 and team like I feel better about Oregon's chances of being a playoff team this year and potentially having success in the playoff than I do about Georgia and Georgia's the number nine team in the country well the, the so, Georgia one is the Georgia one makes no sense it's uh, is it the Auburn win that they're using to to prop them up I don't know. Maybe they're they're stars matter people, and I can respect that about them. Maybe it's just eye <laughs> I test. Guess. Stars matter, the roster makeup, or whatever you want to say. But like even Indiana, to me, if we're going to rank Ohio State at four, Indiana has probably a better claim to fame for a top ten spot right now than a two loss team. And I, Indiana I think that, put up a better fight against Ohio State than Georgia did against Alabama exactly. or Florida. And to me, though, Andy is three and zero. If we're just going to go resumes only, I think three and zero is more impressive than five and two. Yeah, teams have played I don't more know. games. I, I, I've seen Oregon's three and zero. It's not, but, but it's like not a pretty three. But there's multiple two loss teams ahead of Oregon. Uh, we have uh, Iowa State at number thirteen at six and two. Uh, Oklahoma number eleven at six and two, and Georgia at five and two. So do you think losing two games is more? Uh, shiny for your resume, having played more than being three and zero on a promising team that's at the beginning part of their would season. Win the game if those teams played. True. Like, the, the, okay, let me, yeah, but if you want to play Oklahoma, that game, then the Oklahoma, entire rankings Oregon are right off. now. Handicap it. W- say Oklahoma, the game again. Oregon right now. Who 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 wins Oklahoma Oregon right now? I would pick Oregon. I would pick Oklahoma. Oklahoma hasn't has has definitely shown spark, and you know they've they've overcome those two early ugly losses, but I don't know that I have any faith whatsoever in Oklahoma's ability to stop Oregon in that random game that we just made up. (laughs) 
We this is what we need. We need random games that we just made up yeah, to, uh, yeah, to make this happen. Well, that would be a cool playoff system. You have to go through Andy Staples random <laughs> random game random selection games we before we finally up. figured out. I love yeah. it. We'll be right back with some great potential matchups for teams that maybe aren't in striking distance of the playoff but want to get there. Oh yeah. It's time to put your scheduling pants on. We'll talk about it when we come back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As these teams start playing more games and as the teams at the top of the pole stop playing games because of the way the schedule is set up, the teams that are 3-0 and right now are going to continue to rise. And even though Cincinnati is sitting there at 7 at 8 and there are teams behind it that I think are dangerous. And I think when push comes to shove, um, depending on how things go, maybe one of these one-loss teams that we're not really giving much credit to right now will do something. I think that if you're... Um, you know, in a situation right now, like I would choose Cincinnati to make the fifth or the fourth spot in the playoff over AM if AM just wins out and doesn't have to play in the well, SEC a- championship. AM scenario game. is very specific. AM scenario is AM goes nine and one, Alabama beats Florida for the SEC title, and then there's another spot, which I think the other spot would require Notre Dame to beat Clemson. And then who would you take, though, if it's a head-to-head matchup between Cincinnati unbeaten as their schedule exists right now or Texas A&M 5-1 and blown out loss by Alabama and fortunate enough not to have to play a tough game again? Well, they beat Florida. No, they did beat Florida, but I'm saying like as their schedule exists, though, have it, because at the end of the year in right. that scenario, Andy, Florida will have then lost twice. So it takes the luster Florida off of the Florida will, win. It's still, it's still a good win. It's still that a good win, change. but I, that's it's what I'm asking. It's still a better though. win than any of Cincinnati's wins. I know, but who would you take? Would you take Georgia? I would take I mean, A&M because A&M. A&M would win the game. Yeah. Well, I, I would take A&M. I, I, and that's the problem for Cincinnati because I think the committee would feel the same way. But here's the problem that I have with that logic, and this is why I love talking about this stuff so much. Um, you think Oklahoma would beat Oregon, right? But we both agree that Oklahoma would beat Northwestern too, right? So, like, it's not – that's not the way he's ranking. I don't, I don't you don't know. know? Uh, okay. I, I, think I, think, I think Northwestern would muck that up a little bit, and it would be hard for Oklahoma to score. I don't know how well Oklahoma would defend Northwestern, though. I will say Oklahoma is playing much better defense in the last few weeks. Yeah, I mean, they I have a pass rush now. Admittedly, we haven't seen that in years. I'm admittedly just talking to that one guy on Twitter who was yelling at both of us for the Texas A&M uh, take uh, last week. Oh so if you're listening, I'm, I, that hit me. That hit me, and I'm hitting you back. But there, just there's like, also a Sooner fan that that mixed me up with Andy Katz <laughs> and. Like said, well, I I went on Feinbaum and I said I wouldn't be shocked if A and M's number four because I was wondering, you know, it, with the how imperfect Ohio State looked the other day, would would they put A and M at four just to kind of make a point? They didn't. They put them at five, and Ohio State was four. But he's like, well, Andy Stace was a basketball guy. What would he know? And I'm like, huh? <laughs> what's well, a good person? I guess and he's to- like, no, I mix him up with Andy Katz. Yeah. Well, Andy, let me ask you then. What what do you think is, um. In this debate, because I my personal opinion is rank the teams with promise who haven't lost yet ahead of the teams who have played more games and lost more. Um, where do you stand on that? I, because it's like I, that- I just think you have to you have to judge them individually. 
Oregon has not impressed me. Oregon has made winning look really hard. USC has not impressed me. Mm-hmm. USC should have lost to Arizona State and Arizona. Now, they did beat Utah pretty handily. But, you know, Oregon has made it look pretty darn hard. And it shouldn't be that hard for them. They, I know, but we're have- also talking about a team that got blown out completely when they played Bama. And like that, like look, winning ugly has to matter less than losing by a lot. And you're talking about A and M, yeah. Like there's teams that are there's a top five team right now that played the number one team and didn't belong on the same field as them. So I think that there is a certain uh, anti A and M feeling that I have right now because I covered an Ohio State team that has lost by a lot in one game to bad teams and have lost their chance to to be in the championship. So I'm so yeah, conditioned the, to you thinking. You realize there's a difference between oh, Purdue and the of number course. one team in the country, right? Of course, but <laughs> if mean, you if the test, if the whole point of the playoff is to put the four best teams in who have the best chance of winning a national championship, then the one team when put on the stage that they would have to face again in the national championship, having fallen short by 100 points, isn't a good indication of how good I would feel about them playing the other three. So it's just like, I don't know about A&M's ability to get in. I think they're kind of roadblocked because either way you put it, if 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 uh, Florida I, I wins ga- out. I gave you the scenario, but it's really yeah. specific. It, so it, that is what has to happen, and that would take a lot of, there's a lot of ifs in there. But what's your what's your reasoning then if we want to talk about the playoff? What do you think the, the committee's reasoning was in the um, Ohio State in the four? Do you think it was more so because they struggled at the end at Indiana, or do you think it's because they only played four yeah. games so far? I think it's the struggling with Indiana. I think if they'd blown out Indiana, they, they'd probably be ahead of Clemson. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting take because if you look at the rest of the rankings, I think the teams that have played the least amount of games have been penalized. And it's like yeah. of all the teams who are currently in the field right now, Ohio State having played three or four less games than the teams in front of them, I also think that resume size and, and bullet points for what they're looking for from data points just aren't there as well. But also, they also look pretty bad defensively against Indiana and they should be penalized for that too. So um, the good news for Ohio state is they're they They have multiple opportunities to look fantastic over yeah. the next few weeks. And I don't really and take much stock in looking fantastic against Illinois. Do you? No, I don't. And and that's, that's the problem with the big 10. You know what, what Matt Fortuna and I talked about a few weeks ago of, of the big 10, not really having a middle that they, they have a good and a bad and the bad is really heavy this year. And, so it doesn't necessarily have, like like Ohio State crushing Michigan means nothing this year. They don't have any ability whatsoever to um, mess around, and I think that Ohio State's the most straightforward team in these rankings because they have to go unbeaten, and if they're an unbeaten Big Ten champ, regardless of what it looks like they're in, and if they lose, yeah. they might and, be and, out. And, and, and that's and it's, this it's, ditto for Northwestern. In right. fact, Northwestern, if Northwestern were to go undefeated, I would I would argue that they're their resume would be better than an undefeated Ohio State's resume just because of the way the schedule shook out. I don't think there's anything that Ohio State can do short of a personnel change in the secondary that's going to make me think that they're going to be a good defense uh, enough to win a national championship until they but, actually but go to a the playoff thing. That's game. That's not a disqualifier. I mean, Clemson and, and Notre Dame gave up in the 40s against one another. Absolutely. Alabama gave up 49 to, to Ole Miss, or 48. I can't remember exactly, but but in the upper 40s to Ole Miss. Florida gave up in the 40s to Texas A&M. Texas A&M gave up in the 50s to Alabama. 
There are no perfect defenses this yeah. year. And Notre Dame gave up the most passing yards in the history of their stadium to a backup quarterback, Correct. a very good backup to, quarterback, but yeah. a back. But this is what the point I was trying to make, though, because in 2016, Ohio State had a bad offense and they lost to Penn State and only scored 21 points and they only put up 24 against Northwestern. And then the next three or two weeks, they put 62 up on Nebraska and 62 up on Maryland. And people thought that that was fixed. And then they went to the playoff and scored zero against Clemson. So I do worry about Ohio State's longevity as a potential playoff contender. But at the same time, every single team that is in the playoff discussion right now has had deficiencies defensively and penalizing Ohio State for a uh, a bad defensive performance against IU makes a ton of sense. Um, but IU also was a quasi top 10 team and every other team that's ranked ahead of them has had serious deficiencies as well. So it's like, I think it's more so because they've only played four games and it is about giving up some big plays. But you don't think they're in a, you don't think Ohio State's in any danger. Of not making it undefeated. I mean, if they're undefeated. Oh, no. There's a 0% chance that Ohio State in any scenario every single year as an unbeaten Big Ten champ would walk in. I don't think there's any scenario any year that you could you could paint that a power five unbeaten champ with at least one quality win. Um, In most cases, that's necessary. But in most cases, it probably wouldn't because going undefeated in a power five puts you in that position. Um, So Ohio State's got nothing to worry about as long as they win out. And they will because they're playing Illinois, Michigan State, and Michigan, and, and maybe Northwestern will give them some some trouble the way that Wisconsin did last year in the Big Ten championship game. But I don't think that there's any – I think there's a different question with Ohio State. Is, is Ohio State good enough to beat Alabama is a different talking point about whether they're going to make the playoff. They're going to make the playoff. It's just a matter of whether or not I believe with my eyes that Ohio State is good enough to actually win it. And as things stand right now, having microanalyzed them with the podcast that I do with Landis, I don't, I don't know that I do. But at the same time i just don't think i don't see anybody who who i, I think is gonna exactly. run away with the thing i think all so the teams I, that were in the playoff last year maybe outside of alabama depending on how you want to break it down are worse than they were last year so just well, because you are in the playoff last oh yeah. this alabama okay the, i'm saying it. like yeah. the, is the alabama version this year is probably better than alabama last year but clemson's worse than clemson last year and ohio state's worse than ohio state last year so as you go into the playoff just because these teams don't match up with the versions of themselves from the year before um doesn't mean that they can't win a national championship now. And in fact, I right. think with the LSU team... they only got to play the ones, the, the versions they got to play. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think the LSU version last year, obviously, is one of the best teams in college football history based on the statistics and the way they ran through that schedule. But I think you might have had three teams in the playoff last year that would have been good enough to win national championships in other years. And just they were just all very good at the same time. Um, and this year, I think they're all inherently flawed in their own ways but they all also will be on the position to win it again. And it won't matter because once you get to that stage, all that matters is winning. Let's talk about BYU again. I'm going to play you Gary Barter's answer when Reese Davis on ESPN asked him, why is BYU ranked so low? Here is Iowa athletic director and, and chair of the selection committee, Gary Barter's answer on that question. Why are the Cougars so low in your rankings? Well, the, the committee is very impressed with uh, with BYU. Zach Wilson is uh, definitely a Heisman candidate, playing at a high level. Uh, they've beaten uh, three or four teams above 500. But as you look at their schedule, and that's certainly where the committee went and, and looked at their their best win uh, is against Boise State. Boise was shorthanded in that game. Uh, so the, the committee is very impressed with BYU, but certainly schedule compared to the teams around them came into play. The committee's not very impressed with BYU because if they were very impressed with them, they ranked them higher. But 
his answer is not bad. I mean, as as these answers go, because it's it's usually we we do the ranking and then we retcon some reasons, but these are legitimate reasons that he's giving. What fascinates me, Ari, we've never had a situation where a team could literally schedule another two games before the committee releases its final ranking. Yeah, also could be against anybody, <laughs> yeah. which is the exciting part. And I hope one of them is Cincinnati, but I would have loved, loved, loved well, to watch BYU play Washington. Yeah, and it's not really against anybody because the SEC will not allow non-conference games. The Big Ten will not allow non-conference games. Now, the, the Pac-12 will. And so I, I just looked up the rest of Oregon's schedule. You know, you've got Oregon State this week, then Cal, then Washington. There's no guarantee Cal and Washington are able to play on those weeks. If they're not, let's get those suckers to Eugene. Yeah. Get this done. Yeah. I, I cancel I, the game I have scheduled. BYU has one more game scheduled. I would buy it out if I could get get a game against a Pac-12 team. Yeah, the one thing that you have to do if you're BYU in this situation is put yourself in a position to create a data point that makes it impossible to say they've beaten nobody. And, you know, I kind of am not really understanding why people are just acting like the 51-17 win at Boise wasn't really anything to to write home about. I thought that was a pretty convincing win. The other other game, by the way, is against a pretty good San Diego State team on December 12th. Yeah. So it's not, it's not, this is one of their, this will wind up being one of their better games. But so you have December 5th and December 19th that are days where you could play somebody. And you, you could conceivably play a Pac 12 school that's not in the Pac 12 championship. Uh, you could, you could conceivably play an ACC school that's not in the ACC championship if, if the ACC school with that. I mean, go find the best games you can find and find two of them and make your case. You know what they should do? They should make the Pac-12 win uh, or go through their schedule, win a Pac-12 championship, and then whoever wins the Pac-12 champion has to play BYU for the playoff spot. I love it. I love it. I, it would be great. I, I think, and, or to be even be considered for the playoff spot, we will consider one of you BYU or the Pac-12 champ. But you got to play each other, yeah. And the winner will be considered. And all that is is an extended ex- expanded playoff, but in in a funny way. Um, because then it, who, would, it would be why you know who needs this too, Ari, based on the, what we saw in the rankings. Yeah, I know what you're going to say. Oregon say needs it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, and Oregon, I think, is pretty fortunate based on what we've seen so far from them. And maybe part of it is because they're late to practice and late to play. But I think Oregon would have been pretty fortunate to have avoided Ohio State this year in, in a game that they necessarily, they absolutely needed to legitimize the Pac-12. And I think that any win that the Pac-12 can get outside of a Pac-12 win is something that. You know, I mean, because the Pac-12 is a power five conference, but they're not that far off in terms of how they're being viewed by the committee this year based on a uh, the past hasn't been so kind to the Pac-12 in terms of how they've uh, competed against the other power five conferences and B, they're not playing enough games this year. So anything that the Pac-12 can do to legitimize itself is also a win for the Pac-12 team because they need it, too. Well, Oregon also avoided Trey Lance in North Dakota State. Now, here's the difference, though. That Oregon team getting to play its full schedule would still have Penny Sewell, would still have quite a few other players who wound up opting out. And I think that that might look a little bit different. But yes, the Pac-12 needs the game against BYU as much as BYU needs the game against the good Pac-12 team. And America in general just needs that for for our, yeah. our sanity. So um, yes. let me ask you this one, Andy, and I don't know, maybe some unforeseen 
upsets or something that might be able to happen. But like is I saw a graphic on ESPN when I was watching it that uh, Miami has a 1% chance of getting in um, <laughs> uh, or 1%. I would love to see Miami get another crack uh, at Clemson. I know that it wasn't a very good uh, scenario, I, but I, I wonder if Miami is dead again. I don't, I don't, I don't think there's, you, you mentioned you don't want to see A&M against Alabama again. I really don't want to see Miami against Clemson again. I'd watch A&M against Bama again. I didn't see a way forward for, for, for this Miami team to match up against that Clemson team. Yeah. I just don't know, like, as the number 10 team right now, if Miami has a path uh, to being potentially back in the mix because it's just like I it went would, to – we went down the list more here. likely to get in. Let's go down the list like we always do. I love going down lists with you. But just teams that you think are alive based on these rankings to actually get into the playoff. Are they dead or alive? Let's just play the game, dead or alive. Uh, okay. So we know that Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, and Ohio State are all alive. So that's a waste of time. Is Texas A&M alive? Yes. Florida. For the, for the scenario that I listed earlier. Yeah. And Florida is because if they went out, they control their own destiny. Just got to win out. Yep. Is Cincinnati alive? Yes. Okay. It's not, it's not great. The patient's not doing particularly well. But yes, the there is a chance it would take some weird stuff happening. Okay, so I think we can both agree that Northwestern is because if they went out, they're in. Absolutely, 100%. Um, everybody else is dead. Everybody else is dead? Everybody else is dead. Georgia's Unless dead. Oregon and BYU can play each other. So you think that Oregon, USC, and BYU are all dead? Yep. Wow. So why? Because they don't play enough games? Unless, unless BYU gets a better schedule or Oregon gets to schedule BYU and gets to beat them. There, who are, what, what is Oregon going to prove between now and then playing Oregon State, Cal, and Washington, and then USC? If Oregon what goes undefeated and beats um, Washington and USC and becomes the undefeated Pac-12 champ, you think that team is dead? Yeah. That's a pretty crazy thing to say right now. That's I think that if they if we make that the snippet of the preview of this podcast, more people will listen to it because I don't know that I agree with that. <laughs> I, I just don't how okay. How how does that team get in? Tell me how that team gets in. For all the same reasons that you were trying to uh, come up with scenario chaos for Cincinnati, except at the end of the road, they're unbeaten Pac-12 champions. But Cincinnati is ranked 8 spots higher right now. Yeah, but we know this stuff is fluid. It is fluid. You're right. I think You're I think right. as and they, and they I, I think it. as as the Georgias and the Floridas and all the teams that finish their schedules first stop finishing and Oregon continues to play once the schedule starts to even out a little bit, it's not going to be completely even, but it's going to well, get closer. And, and I think of, you're going to start seeing more of, respect for the unbeaten my, teams. Part of my dead prediction is the way they've played so far, I don't think they'll be undefeated. Yeah. Well, if you think that they're dead, I think it's a two different discussions. Dead because you don't think they're good enough is different, but then dead because their chances are well, dead based looking, on what I'm their path I'm just looking is. at the whole situation. They're they're ranked number 15 in part because of how they've played so far, and in part because they haven't played enough games. But how they've played so far factors into where I'm projecting where they fit, where they end up, and I I don't think it's a like it's certainly not a lock they finish undefeated. I I don't even know if it's better than 50 50 they finish undefeated okay now let me give you another scenario usc is the number 10 team in the talent composite rankings it had very bad showings against both arizona schools we can both agree on that but then we also talked about how they 
might have the biggest test of their season against Utah this weekend. And I thought they did a pretty good job of not having any. They had no chance of losing that game for the most part. Yep. So if USC goes out and beats Colorado, Washington State, and UCLA, all of which aren't very impressive games, then plays Oregon in the Pac-12 championship and then beats the crap out of Oregon in the championship game, and then that puts them at 7-0 and as the Pac-12 champ, do you think that they're dead? If they come roaring in in the way that you're talking about with a bunch of definitive wins, then I think they would be alive. But, again... I got to go with how they've played, and my guess is they won't do that. My guess is there will be some games that that they will mess around, and maybe they'll win them, and maybe they won't. Like this Colorado game is no gimme. Colorado's two and zero. Yeah, yeah, but that's <laughs> that's that's good for them because like it I think is, if you want to play the game of who do you think is dead, I'll go down that list. I think Texas A and M is dead. I think Cincinnati's dead. I think Northwestern's dead. I think Georgia's dead. Miami, Oklahoma. Northwestern's not dead. Well, no, based on Ohio, no, I'm just if saying you, based if you on think what Ohio I think it's going to beat Northwestern. And yeah, but based on what I think of the teams as we move forward, I'm just telling you who I think is dead based under that criteria. OK, like I, I think Northwestern is dead, like unless you think they're going to go undefeated and beat Ohio State. I don't think that's going to happen. That's the so, only way they get in. Only and the, way. And the only way they get in isn't going to happen, in my opinion. So Georgia's dead. Miami's dead. Uh, Oklahoma's lost twice. They look great. They might beat uh, West Virginia by 50 on Saturday as an 11 point favorite. And but they're dead. Indiana's dead. Uh, BYU, I think, might not be dead if they get to schedule the Pac-12 champion. I think Oregon's alive. Wisconsin's dead. I mean, you go down the list, 80% of these teams are already dead in my mind based on what I think they're able to do. So Yeah, I, I think, uh, but again, the Pac-12 champ, and it's funny because we keep saying Oregon, but you're right. What if it's USC? The Pac-12 needs to get its champ together with BYU. Or at least get one of the teams that's going to play for the championship together with BYU. Yeah, because I think the I difference think that's the between seven, seven wins, including your conference championship game, might be one too 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 small. Like I think once you start, you I think you might have to get to eight or nine wins um, to be in that position. So that's a really really difficult scenario just based on wins because I know nobody's disqualified technically from the playoff based on how many total scheduled games they have but I also think based on the behavior of the committee that the Pac-12 should be scared that they don't play enough we'll be back to talk more college football right after these words I just think somebody somebody needs to roll the dice here whether BYU Cincinnati and the Pac-12 need to roll the dice and you may lose, or like somebody's going to lose those games if they get scheduled. Let's say, let's say BYU adds Cincinnati and Oregon. If BYU wins them both, they're in. If BYU, you know, loses to Cincinnati, then it benefits the American and Cincinnati doesn't benefit any, anybody else. But you have to roll the dice here, otherwise, you don't have a chance. You're you're not getting the benefit of the doubt. The ACC champ, the SEC champ, and possibly runner-up in both those leagues, the Big Ten champ, they are getting the benefit of the doubt. Nobody else is. So you better figure out a way to roll the dice. And this is the one year where you can actually make that happen. We were talking about it at the beginning of the season before anybody played a game. It's 2020. Everything's messed up. Embrace the weird. And like this is the manifestation of that. 
like the ability yes, to, to potentially schedule these games. And it's funny because usually when you schedule games, you schedule it seven, 10, three, whatever years before the game's scheduled to be played. Now you actually yeah. get to schedule the games based on who's already good, which is amazing. And it would imagine oh. if you had open weeks in every college year, regardless of COVID and you could just schedule, you know, everybody has eight games. And then at the end of the eight game schedule, you can schedule whoever you want to try to prove your point for the playoff committee. That's like a wonderful gift that we have this year. I never, ever want to go back. Ever. If the, <laughs> the gift that we have this year, if they don't do it and it doesn't turn out that way, would be the biggest like waste of potential the sport's ever seen. I know. And and who's not watching that game? And who doesn't want to play it? BYU doesn't everybody want to play? Who has more to lose if Oregon plays BYU? N- neither team... Uh, okay. Whoever loses, loses something. But you can't win the thing you want to win unless you do make this game happen and win it. Because like, I was like wondering, and this is something that I feel about UCF, and then you would know this the best because you're really plugged in in Florida. But UCF had a opportunity at one point, if I remember correctly, to play a two and one with Florida. Right, two on the road, one at home. It, it, did it that ever? On who you asked, but yes, that was that was talked about. Yeah. And if UCF bailed on that because it wasn't equitable based on the way a home and home would work on other power five uh, agreements. Mm -hmm. That is so beyond stupid. It makes my head explode as a group of five team. You have to take every opportunity that you can, even if it's not fair or equitable to prove yourself. And if you don't prove yourself, beat them at their place, you make them look worse, which makes me feel like sometimes these group of five teams like to claim how awesome it is to be undefeated and to point to the zero losses in their loss column more so than they want to back it up. And I think we all know in the most part, like if UCF played Alabama, that losing to Alabama isn't so bad for the the, the loss of being able to claim national championship or to claim an unbeaten season, but it's also terrible for the long-term viewpoint of the way that Power 5 fans are going to view you as a legitimate contender when the moving forward. So right. if that's the if that's the way that we're doing this, then let's quit the charade and quit pretending like these are national championship contenders. If you have an opportunity to play, even if it's not fair, that's the crappy hand that you're dealt as a group of five team. Show up and play regardless. Why wouldn't UCF want to play Florida three years in a row? I want to see that. That's much better than some of the well, crappy ass games that we have to watch every year anyway. Why don't we actually get some answers was, to these questions? Even when there was no group of five and no power five and no distinction. That's how Bobby Bowden built Florida State. I mean, he they I think they went to LSU three years in a row. I think what you have what you have to gain at UCF with a regular season win over Florida in the same geographical area is far more greater than what you have to lose by being embarrassed if you end up losing by a lot to Florida. Because yeah. UCF is still well, in the and, 70s and, in the recruiting rankings anyway. How do you build UCF into a legit power, a team that can hang an actual banner? It's by actually beating Florida and getting some of those Central Florida kids to go to your school. Well, okay. Cincinnati's in that league. Should they try to schedule Oregon? I think Cincinnati should try to schedule everybody that they can. And Cincinnati is a former Power 5 team or was in a BCS conference at one point, so it's not that foreign of a concept to them. And I I personally think that they should, anybody in a position right now who, in a group of five team, should be bending over backwards, even if they don't think it's fair or they don't want to go on the road, they should do everything that they can to get on the same field as the teams that we're talking about in the top 15. Because that way, there's no, it's an infallible proof that that you belong. 
The Pac-12's never going to do this, but I wish they would. Let's send Washington State somewhere else next week. Cincy at USC. BYU at Oregon. And let's let's let everybody prove it on the field. And how does the Pac-12 do lose? Like I know the Pac-12 wants the Pac-12 games. They to potentially be win both Why? times. Yeah. So, and that's the other thing too. I know there's contracts and you know a certain amount of games that you want to play in order to determine a conference champion. I'm not trying to act like that's TV not wants the, these games more. TV they wants be, those games would, more, and they would also give your teams more clarity as they are in danger, real life danger, based on the conversation that we just had of being ousted, even as unbeaten conference champions. Let's do it. Let's. All right, I'm in. Larry Scott, earn your gigantic paycheck. Get on the phone to Pat Chun in, in Pullman and say, Pat, I love you. You're a conference member. We're going we're gonna to do this for the conference. This is for the brand. You guys are going to be the, the team in waiting. So whoever can't play next week, you're going to play the team they're supposed to play. Cincinnati's going to the Coliseum. And then whoever, I, who, who's, I think it's, it's Oregon Cal. Cal? Mm-hmm. All right, let's match up Cal and Washington State. I don't think they've played yet. Let's do it. Or you match up play? Cal with uh, with another team that wants to prove itself. I'd, I'd watch Cal Marshall. Yeah, let's <laughs> do it. Let's do it! Yeah, I mean, in terms of college football playoff reform, you might not get an expanded playoff this year, but what you can do is put together qualifying matches beforehand that will determine which teams get in and that even though it isn't technically the playoff is the playoff and we get regular season games that will help us determine uh who gets to go and play for national championship which is the way mother nature intended well Ari, it has been a pleasure discussing these rankings because typically they don't get me that fired up but this is this is just a really interesting year we are going to Come back though. You and I are coming back one more time this week, our normal show, and it's not coming out Friday like it normally does because we got a bunch of games on Friday. So we're going to drop our normal Friday show on Thanksgiving morning. So you can make your turkey and your, your mac and cheese and mashed potatoes and gravy while listening to Ari and I talk lines on Thursday morning. And oh, by the way, right now, if you want to subscribe to The Athletic, it's a dollar a week. For your first six months. It's a great deal. But on Friday, on Black Friday, we got a better deal than Target or Best Buy or Walmart can even shake a stick at. A dollar a month for your first year. 12 bucks for your first year for the best sports writing on earth. Get it for a friend. Get it for a family member. They will love you so much. Because you will give them so much joy. They will give them so much to read. You'll give them so many opportunities to yell at Ari Wasserman in the comments. I love and you it. can listen to this podcast ad-free. I mean, talk about, a talk about a reason to be thankful for this podcast on Thanksgiving. That'd be easy when you go around the table with your family. Absolutely. So, thank you for listening. Hopefully, you're fired up about the rankings, too. Lots of football to talk about. And we will talk to you on Thursday morning. 